Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 121 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. There is a very strict, very rigorous system that we have in place for guests to come on this show, Robert. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. It's a huge hurdle. Huge yeah. hurdle. The line to get on is epic. Yeah. I wish these people would leave me alone. Yeah. The, the most important thing for someone who wants to be a guest on the show is to ask. That's, that's the major thing. And that's what our guest today did. Yeah, our guest is uh, Matt Cornelius. He's executive director of the Alliance for Digital Innovation and a witness at a House Oversight and Reform Subcommittee hearing a couple of weeks back about uh, information technology modernization of the federal government. Matt, welcome. Thanks for coming on. What was the major message that you wanted to convey to the hearing? Uh, well, thanks, Francis, and thanks, Robert. I, I'm glad I asked. Uh, you know, <laughs> so are we. I, I do want to clarify. He might have been joking, <laughs> but, no. but we, I jumped at the chance. Yeah, 100% serious. I mean, the worst you could have said was no. And, well, maybe the worst you could have said was yes. We'll see when the pod's up. <laughs> but uh, um, no, I, he's he's going to be great. Yeah. Here we go. Well, thanks, thanks, Francis, and thanks, Robert. And, and thanks for mentioning the, the hearing last week. I thought it... Uh, not just me, but there were plenty of great panelists. Um, I think for, for us, for ADI and for the subcommittee, the, the issue we wanted to get across was, was twofold. One was um, the, there's been a lot more good uh, and a lot more positive news in the federal IT modernization or sort of relief and recovery efforts through COVID than I think folks realize. I mean, it's easy um, to read some of these reports and harp on you know, SBA had had a PII issue here, or the IRS, you know, uh, sent checks to X amount of uh, deceased people and things like that. Um, but those are errors based on the constraints agencies had to operate in. I think uh, when you look back on it, you see most of the agencies that were already investing in sort of modern commercial capabilities, cloud capabilities, digitizing their workflows. Uh, these were folks that were able to take on a, a brand new operating paradigm pretty much overnight and do it without the kinds of disruption we've seen previously from even minor tweaks in sort of government program and policy changes. So I, I think there's a, uh, I think there's a, a tremendous benefit to having great leadership at OMB, strong CIOs, you know, uh, great sort of deputy secretaries and secretaries that care about this stuff and understand how technology is the fundamental underpinning to how they deliver their mission and provide benefits and services to citizens. So I think that was one thing. And the other is, you know, modernization is hard and, and the budgeting and appropriations process under which the government operates is is very difficult, very regimented, um, and it doesn't keep up with the pace of technology. So we need to come together as industry and government, as executive branch and legislative branch, and, and really understand the challenges and sort of embrace the opportunities, make money a little more flexible, uh, get the workforce trained on more uh, modern commercial capabilities, um, and then let's let's try to work together to solve some of these problems on which we all seem to have agreement on. That's a great uh, message. I'm glad you put it that way because we've never had so many people sick. We ha we've never had so many people dying. We've never had so many people unemployed. We've never had so many businesses failing at the same time. We've never had uh, the Congress enact so many sweeping 
uh, appropriations and new programs to help these people. Um, but it's an, it's a heroic feat that agencies have been able to do what they have. And at the same time, it's highlighted some shortcomings in our investment in modernization, our reliance on on a network of systems, including state and local ones, um, that hopefully will uh, be a catalyst for some action. Do you see Congress stepping up and actually fixing some of the longstanding challenges you've talked about? I, I, I think so. And I there's there's many reasons why I think there's more hope today than there probably was six or eight months ago on the sort of technology modernization front and the acquisition modernization front. Um, I made a comment to someone the other day. When you see the chief of staff to the president on the Sunday shows, doing the rounds on the Sunday shows, and talking about the fact that we have antiquated computer systems that are keeping the government, but at the federal and the state and local level, from delivering vital benefits and services to citizens, that doesn't happen. I mean, you, you talk about war, you talk about the economy, you talk about these big things on the Sunday shows, and you know, obviously, my favorite Sunday show is Government Matters. But when you're on the when you're on the big networks. Um, nice. That that doesn't come up very often. So, 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 you, so you have that. You, you've got an administration that understands this and, and gets it. Uh, you've got a Congress, at least on the authorizing side, that that is that is growing to understand the challenges and and recognize them for what they are, which is they're difficult but necessary to try and, and cope with. And frankly, I think I think citizens are demanding it now. I mean, I would personally, I would not like to be in a in a. a personal office for a member of Congress right now, because I can imagine the deluge of calls and emails that you get are, why can't I get my benefits? Why is this information wrong on this website? Or you know, is it wrong on this website? Things like that. So citizens are demanding it too. And so I think there's going to be this window. Um, and I, I mentioned this a little bit at the, at the subcommittee hearing last week, is there are lessons being learned right now, which we don't yet know about. Some agencies are seeing them Maybe there's some cross-government learning going on, but there's going to be opportunities that need to be embraced once we get out of this um, recovery part and sort of go into the next phase of whatever uh, government operations in the economy look like, where um, smart investments are going to lead to big benefits going forward. So we shouldn't turn off the, the spigot, as it were, on IT modernization, but we should also be thinking about how we do it smarter and more effectively and we get more bang for the bucks that we do have um, both now and and in the sort of months and and maybe year or year and a half ahead. Well, you kind of gave away what I was going to ask next, which is how long do you think that window will be open? If it's a year, year and a half, that makes sense. And But is that enough time for the agencies to collate, compile, and curate the lessons that they've learned and be able to distill them into something that they can then take to the Hill? It's going to be difficult. And one of the things I don't think I mentioned last week, but you know, my members and I talk about it, and I mentioned this when I talked to folks in both the executive branch and the legislative branches, you know, I have some concern about what I've called the, the donut hole in federal IT spending that I see coming forward. So you've had a lot, you know, the CARES Act had lots of individual IT investments at agencies. Um, most of the, some of that will run out here in September 30th. We're coming to the end of the, the fiscal year. Um, the likelihood is we're going to be on a CR for three or six months, depending on what happens in, in November. So CARES Act money is going to run out. Agencies are still going to be in this sort of uh, response and recovery mode, kind of in the office, kind of not in the office, dealing with new issues that are cropping up um, as as we go into the fall and, and winter. And 
um, I'm, I'm concerned that there's going to be this delta between the amount of money agencies are able to use to both operate sort of you know continuity of operations now and embracing some of those new technology opportunities that we see and and there's going to be this sort of downslope kind of in in the first quarter first two quarters of the fiscal year so i hope congress and this was a message i took and i think many of the other panelists from from last week's hearing took is we need more investment now and we need it in this whatever you want to call it phase four phase five cares two. I, I forget all the names now but um, you know, whether it's TMF dollars, whether it's additional agency appropriations, whether it's more cybersecurity spending at CISA or other places, um, we, you can't take your foot off the gas on this because agencies are still dealing with an awful lot, not just the frontline agencies like HHS and SBA, but all the other agencies that are still trying to achieve their vital missions uh, day in, day out. You've talked about a couple of milestones on the horizon. We've, we're also coming up on a presidential election, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you see any difference in IT investment posture, depending on whether the president gets reelected or Vice President Biden wins? It's a, it's a difficult conversation. I'm obviously not going to answer it because that gets me way too close to, uh, <laughs> to, to the political answer. But but I but I do think um, I, you know obviously this administration has put a, a very strong emphasis on uh, technology and data and the workforce as the sort of key underpinnings as part of the PMA which I help work on and everything else. But um, you know they sort of understand where they want to go in this direction. I imagine if 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 they continue on after November and January that they'll sort of double down on a lot of these things, find some real promising opportunities, and move forward. Um, I can imagine from um, a Biden a transition team standpoint, they're they're listening to industry, I presume. They're probably uh, listening and learning from a lot of folks that were there at the end of the Obama administration who were working on a lot of these initiatives. And, you know, I talk to folks, um, you know, in the executive branch in the White House all the time. And one of the things they bring up is there's been such great continuity between a lot of the a lot of the reforms and a lot of the IT acceleration you saw in the Obama administration. My former boss, Suzette Kent, brought this up a lot and what's happening now. So I don't really I there may be some new ideas. There may be a new program here. There may be um, a, a new office stood up there. But I think the the long arc, as it were, of sort of technology and cybersecurity implementation in the government um, is going to continue and it's going to be a matter of degrees. It's not going to be sort of, you know, 180 turns, but it'll be sort of tune, tuning the dial to get things right and to move forward faster and, and more effectively. Um, you guaranteed a return engagement on this program by the Nice Government Matters plug, so that's pretty smart on your part. <laughs> nice. Well, hopefully I'll get a Government Matters spot, yeah, too. I that, mean, you got, I'll do them all. Got to build the brand. Well, and, you know, to your brand. credit, you got on here by asking, so we can probably line up that Government Matters thing. I don't see a problem with that. Um, Excellent. What, what strikes me about what you just said is that from a continuity perspective, any number of Obama administration IT officials – or people who worked on the uh, transition teams one way or the other, either when the president, President Obama came in in 2009 or left in 2017, have said that they appreciated that continuity that you talked about. They appreciated the fact that uh, the, the Trump team recognized the work that they did that was good, said, this is good, let's keep it. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see those a lot of those same people come back around if Vice President Biden winds up winning in November and positioning themselves in the same way. 
I think that's true, and I think the other thing is there's there's a, a sort of common understanding amongst these folks. I, I've always told you know younger people I, I, I mentor and they're thinking about coming in the government or, or other folks I work with on a day-in, day-out basis is technology is one of these great bipartisan, bicameral, legislative, executive branch issues. You know, we're not fighting these sort of big P political issues day in, day out. And, and you know, a lot of folks, whether they're Democrat or Republican, understand that there, there's great stuff happening in the commercial sector that we need to find smarter and better ways to embrace in government, given the constraints that the government has to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I was around, I was at GSA at the time working for uh, Denise Turner-Roth, who was the administrator at the end of the Obama administration, and helped run some of the internal GSA transition there. And I remember when the folks came in on the landing teams, they're like, this is great stuff. We want to build on this. You know, we want to move forward. I, I think that would be the case if there was a transition here. But the, the, the great thing is um, uh, these these sort of core government sort of management and oversight activities, technology, acquisition, financial management, HR, um, they're difficult and, and they're hairy and they're frustrating. They're never what people campaign on. But once they're in government, or if you've been a career person like I have, or you've been a, a political in government like Robert, you understand that those are the bread and butter, and those are the things you have to do well, or nothing else works. Mm -hmm. um, and and so, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of promise on the horizon, no matter what happens in November, whether it's with the presidency or the Congress. One final thought, Matt. What's your sense of how the maturity level uh, and accomplishment level of the CIO cohort across the government has changed over the years? There was a sense years ago when I first came into this space that the the quality of talent at the government's at the agency CIO level was not nearly what it was in the private sector, and I wonder what you see there today compared to then. Yeah, so um, you know, I was only in government for about um, seven or so years before I came to take on the role at ADI, but I can say from, from my time, especially at GSA and OMB, working with folks. Um, I don't think much of the success that came out of the PMA and a lot of the efforts over the past few years when I was in government could have happened without strong, smart, capable CIO leadership. And, you know, I was at GSA and working for the administrator at, in the sort of post-OPM world when everything tightened up and, and was an iron grip. You know, OMB was driving everything. No one else could make decisions. It was a very closed environment. And then as that um, you know, and that was necessary at the time, I would say. And, you know, after a while, that sort of dissipates. And I think what OMB did over this past few years was kind of do a, what I refer to as a devolution, which is sort of giving power back to the agencies on technology and, and cybersecurity issues, setting sort of higher level guidance and higher level metrics that they need to, to touch on, but not trying to tell them how to do their job so that and they hired good CIOs, whether they were political or career, to come in and say, here's here's the map you figure out the best way to, to get from point A to point B. And, and so, you know, I hope that continues going on. And it's not just CIOs. We need good tech talent everywhere, right? Whether it's USDS or 18F or TTS or, you know, any of these organizations or just better uh, and smarter ways to hire folks that want to be in government that have new and modern technology skills um, and to ensure that the current federal workforce, not just the IT workforce, but everyone in government, understands these commercial capabilities that are there that agencies already have or are trying to bring on um, and are able to use them effectively and really get the best bang for the buck and get real value um, out, of, out of a lot of the great commercial grade sort of software and services that are available in the, in the federal government right now. There's so much more we could talk about. And you know what, Robert, we should invite him to come back. 
we should absolutely. That's a great idea. Yes, we've had. Yeah, great idea that you had Robert to invite him. Oh wait, no, that's not how it happened. No, I'm teasing you, Matt. It's great to see you. Thank you for coming on, and we would love to have you come back and continue because this stuff obviously is not going away. It's not getting fixed anytime soon. Maybe sooner rather than later, but we'll see. Soon is relevant. So thanks, Robert. Thanks, Francis, for having me. This is great. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grand Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.